This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the 4,000 Holes podcast. A little bit of whimsy in your Rover's supporting day. We're back, but we have a new name, new contributors, maybe even some new ideas. I'm not too sure about that. Maybe some stolen ideas. This is the 4000 Holes podcast, now available as part of the Sports Social Network. Now we are much more than just a fanzine. If you listen to the BRFCS podcast and have moved over with us, then welcome back. If you're brand new to the 4000 Holes podcast, then welcome on board. I have a panel. We have some stuff to talk about. Hopefully it will be entertaining. That depends on the panel, basically, but let me introduce them first of all. Only this afternoon we were discussing the technical changes needed to make this podcast work. So, if you're hearing this, it worked. He's our very own IT help desk. It's Stuart. Stuart, how are you? I'm not so bad. Not so bad. Evening, Ian. Evening, everybody. I'm sitting in my um, office at the moment, and we've, we've just come to the end of the octopus uh, turn off all your heating thing and save four quid hour. Oh, right. So, so now, now you can turn the lights on and things like that. I wondered what all the candles were. It's a pity this isn't really <laughs> It looks like he's in a monastery, but there we go. In the bottom left-hand corner of my Zoom window is in-depth interviews of, well, it says here, Tony Mowbray on previous podcasts will forever endear him to us. It's great to have him back. It's Louis. Louis, how are you? Not too bad, thanks, Ian. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Uh, no, super, thank you. It's very kind of you to ask. Uh, I take it you've not seen Tony lately, have you? Uh, 
Uh, no, I've not. Sadly, he's, he's been uh, he's been eva- evading me up in the northeast. Yes. You know, I can't think why though. The interview at Lancaster City will go down forever in, in in our podcast folklore. I think. Great to have you back. Welcome aboard. We have a new contributor next. She starred in the Sounds of the Season podcast, and as a result of that, we've moved quickly to sign her up as a free agent. A warm welcome to the Four Thousand Holes podcast to Catherine. Catherine, how are you? Very well. I'm wondering if I'm the closest in proximity to Ewood Park. Of the current, of the I'm current guessing panel. easily. I would say easily. Mm. Yeah, we, we we don't do proximity to Ewood Park as being one of the key factors. But now you've introduced it, you're definitely you're there. We go. Definitely there in there. We go. Maybe you can see the glow of the footlights even from your house on a clear night. How exciting! How exciting! He's now the doyen of the matchday lounges at Ewood, and as such, mixes with the Rovers high and mighty. But even so, he still has time for us. It's Michael. Michael, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm sorry I'm such a sellout, but um, yeah, it's great to be back in the pod. You literally have gone corporate, quite literally. <laughs> I have, I have, but I'm still a true Rovers fan at heart. Ah, bless you. That's, what, that's why they hired me, yeah? Is that so? <laughs> I think so. Excellent. Well, we, we shall see for ourselves, hopefully, before the season ends. I'm looking forward to that. And last, but by no means least, we all knew he couldn't keep away from the medium and following on from his appearance on our Fighting Talk episode just before Christmas. He's back with us again. And all this before joining Elliot Jackson next month in the shiny new Inside Brock Hall podcast. We look forward to hearing more about that in due course. But right now, it's welcome to Ryan. Ryan, how are you? I'm very well. Thanks, Ian. Thank you for inviting me on as ever. And shiny and new sounds so shiny and new, doesn't it? It's uh, very exciting. But uh, you'll always have a place in my heart. (laughs) Thank you. You're always welcome, of course. Right, we're going to talk about stuff. Stuff and nonsense in no particular order. I've been writing lists, as I tend to do when you get to this difficult age where you can't remember anything. On my list of stuff to talk about is... I remember watching a clip a few weeks ago. And it was uh, that Trevor Sinclair overhead goal that he scored for QPR against Barnsley in the FA Cup. I always thought, Trevor Sinclair, that's a player that should have played for Blackburn Rovers. There were rumours at the time when he was at Blackpool, and he was, he was, it was almost like nailed on. You were just expecting him to, to walk through the doors, but he never did. And that set me thinking, who are the footballers that never played for Blackburn Rovers but really should have? I'm going to go to Michael first. Who's your nominations for that category? Oh, Ian, I'm so pleased I've got on this first because I've got a little list. Do you remember the Euro 96 that we were linked with two French players that no one had heard of called Zinedine Zidane and Christophe Dugary? And apparently it was Vito because Jack Walker said, why do we need them two in midfield when we've got Tim Sherwood? It's gone down in folklore, is that, hasn't it? Do we we know the extent to which that's true? No, I've got absolutely no evidence that it's true whatsoever. And given that the, the dead can't sue, but you can disrespect them, I'd prefer <laughs> not to believe that of Jack Walker. I mean, I'm not going to steal any of the others from my little list, but the, the, one, the other one that I will mention was Ray Wilkins. Oh, of course. When, we, when Don Mackay, when we had a little bit of money and Ray Wilkins was in the twilight of his career, having come back from Milan, <laughs> and apparently there was a rumour that he bought a house in Wiltshire. Yes, that's Wiltshire with a P. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for, the, for the non-locals, um, not Wiltshire down where Swindon is. Wilkshire yeah, with a P. I think he's probably where he had bought a house, given he you know, probably earned a decent amount of money um, working in football. But God rest his soul, Ray Wilkins, the crab himself, should have 
could have, but didn't play for Rovers. He uh, he appears on the forum every now and then. I think when there's a transfer rumor, and those of us of a certain age, my age basically, yeah. will we'll always add a comment underneath. You know, the, the acid test is has he bought a house in Wiltshire? Right, referencing yeah. that room, and you can see that everybody under the age of fifty just has no idea what what we're talking about. But everyone <laughs> nods with appreciation. Yeah. Okay, we're so, adding, so adding this- Ray then. Sorry. So that, that's a handy pass. I'm done now, and I will gladly pass the ball backwards to whoever wants to deal with Icelandic ash clouds. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to go to Ryan next. Uh, nominate somebody then for I never played, but should have played for Blackburn Rovers eleven. Yeah, well, I can't do it with the prestige that Michael has, but I started to have a bit of fun with this. So um, I think the 2009-10 season was... Uh, Peak Big Sam, wasn't it? When you think about that team that we had, we had Robinson in goal, hoofing the ball up to Samba, and we had Juf, Chimbonda, Jason Roberts, you know, peak Big Sam. Then I just started to think about the bit that we missed was that, you know, the JJ Okocha in the middle, that little bit of flair, that little bit of something different. Okocha isn't the player that I've gone for, but just someone who's a bit... Someone with a bit of guile, a bit of European experience, someone that could just slot into that midfield on our very modest budget. So um started to look around the squads that season, 0-9-10, and there was a player that played uh, for Sunderland that season who I think could have done a job for us in midfield, and that was Bolo Zenden. Remember him? Oh, wow, the Barcelona. Document. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Barcelona, Chelsea, Liverpool. I could just imagine him slotting into our midfield there and just, you know, doing a job replacing uh, two guy, but probably the player we would have ended up with, the other one who was in another squad. Do you remember George Alakobi, that absolute unit at left-back for Wolves? That's probably yes. someone who we would have got to replace Stephen Warnock. So I've gone around the Big Sam mould today and had a bit of fun with that one. Well, it's amazing. Big Big Sam, obviously, his path and Blackburn Rovers' path crosses more than once for, 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 for the obvious reasons, but others. There are a lot in that Bolton team that under Allardyce that I think yeah. should have played. I'm going to wait and see who you nominate. Then, then I'll, I'll sort of list, list two or three that obviously sprang to mind. But there are quite a few. I thought for a moment there you were going to say Per Franson. And I was going to have to say, <laughs> no, we did actually sign him. I know he didn't have much yeah. impact on the field. But yeah, at one point, we did actually sign him. But there we go. Excellent nominations. And, and, and Yuri Jokhev. Yes. Yeah. Did he make two appearances in the end? Yeah, it was sing- low single figures, wasn't it? But uh, Mark Hughes's marquee signing, because of course it was outside the window, so there's not a great deal that he could do with it. Anyhow, there we go. Excellent nominations. We'll add them to the list. Maybe, maybe we can put a thread up on BRFCS and get people to vote on the the ultimate eleven. I'm going to come to our newcomer next, then, to see who she's going to nominate for the Rovers players that should have played for Blackburn Rovers but never actually did. Catherine, who would you like to place in this illustrious eleven? Michael's just peaked a memory for me, which was the ZZ, uh, the Zinedine Dizan, um rumour. Did anybody remember the headline on the Lancashire Evening Telegraph when the rumour was going around? Front page, ZZ Top. That, oh. was, that was what they'd gone with. It was kind of a Peter White classic, but yeah. There, there is a rumour that that's what the Bordeaux club shop used to sell shirts when he played for Bordeaux and you could buy yours easy top. Oh, honestly, I came home and then straight on to CFAX. I think it was uh, page 312. Is there any <laughs> is there any truth in it? Um, but mine, mine's a little bit of a strange one. I used to watch him often on the bench at Chelsea and thought he'd be a brilliant Rovers player. And he always felt like he was a bit, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Ida Good Johnson. Yes. I had a real soft Shout. spot for him and thought he would be fantastic at Rovers. And I always felt like 
it was it was for some reason I was willing it to happen. Never did. So yeah, I did go Johnson. You did. You did. Icelandic. He is Icelandic. Yes. Ash Cloud. Yeah. He is. Yeah. We didn't <laughs> confer on that. We haven't. We haven't mentioned him yet, but he, he may well crop up. But he, he, well, good Johnson at Chelsea, but obviously another one of that Allardyce Bolton side. So it goes back mm. to this theory that I hold that any one of those players that we didn't sign, we could easily have slotted into yeah. our side with yeah. with, uh, yeah. with little or no fuss whatsoever. Louis, I'm going to come to you next. What's your take on this? You know, are you going to bring us into a more contemporary vibe, or are you going to take us back to pre-war times with some excellent googling? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I'm going to keep it contemporary. To be fair, I'm not going to mention the Icelandic ash cloud because I think not only are we all sick to death of it, I think we're all it. It all pains every single time it's mentioned on Twitter every ten days about Lewandowski. No, I'm. I'm. I'm going to try and keep it a bit contemporary. And with the the recent miss signings that we have, I think we on Rovers Twitter, Rovers Facebook. Have, have all considered a, a, a bankers essentially, even even one today. Uh, Todd Campwell, Todd Camp. I mean, I personally, I, I mean, that's another word that rhymes with banker. Uh, would wouldn't want him playing for Rose, but you know, there's also a semi agile a couple of years ago, Kyle Bartley, even, even further along. And I, I, my contribution to this, I would just say, are sturdy championship mainstays. We know our level now, don't we? And I think semi agile <laughs> is the one. Uh, didn't he score against us? For, for Rotherham. Yeah, Rotherham. I think uh, I was not that game, but I've been told about it. Uh, there there are a lot of Rotherham it. players who scored against us when playing for Rotherham, in fairness. Four more after the other week, for sure. But yes, yeah, I think Semi Adrai is definitely one that I would add in that list. Excellent. The uh, the squad's coming along nicely. We'll have to hope that the budget can, can, can cope with this wage burden and that we can fit it within our FFP headroom. Stuart, who are you going to add to the roster of players that really ought to have played for Blackburn Rovers but never did? I'm, I'm going to smash that budget right out of the park. Um, back when our um, illustrious owners first took over, there were names batted left, right and centre about who we were going to sign and everything. And uh, I I think we should have signed Ronaldinho. Like uh, like all the talk was, he would have made a, he'd, he'd have made a right Rovers player. Would he have bought a house in Wiltshire? This is the question. <laughs> he'd have bought Wiltshire. And possibly Wiltshire as well. He'd have had to live. He'd have had to live on the foul coast, surely, so that he could have some samba football down on the beach. And the Southport's no good because there's, there's no sea there for him to go into. So. He'd, he'd have lived in Manchester or Cheshire or wherever with all the other, uh, with all the other big Charlies, wouldn't he? Seen having his tea in the clog and Billy Cock. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be all yeah, you can eat Brazilian buffet. He wouldn't have been nipping across the road for a, a McDonald's, would he? What, like Charlie Mulgrew? Like, um, it would have done it, wasn't it? Who, who uh, <laughs> kept nipping across the road to McDonald's down at Ewood. I didn't know that. Is there, is there a story there? Um, I'll, I'll tell you off air. Oh, OK. Lawyers <laughs> <laughs> have been alerted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So thank you for those nominations, folks. I think it's it's always good to like, cast your, your mind back through memory banks. We we talked about that Allardyce Bolton side, and I say for me, Alan Stubbs, I think was was one of those players that was always linked with uh, with Rovers. I think he he, he fit the mould. Um, Alan Thompson was Bolton's Jason Wilcox, of course, uh, a much underrated left winger. And I think if if Wilcox had ever left us or had got injured, I think Thompson would have been the obvious uh, the obvious successor there he follows us on twitter bizarrely 
BRFs, yeah. Alan Thompson actually. Who, who does? Alan Thompson. I think it was because of something that Chris Sutton retweeted or whatever. But for some Excellent. reason, it was. But yeah. So if you're listening to this, Alan, yeah, you're welcome on any time, and we'll we'll sell the podcast episode to uh, to Bolton Wanderers. Um, and lastly, I mentioned Travis Sinclair at the beginning, but of course, there's one. Those of you who remember the the beginning of the Premier League. And the clips are available on our YouTube channel, funnily enough. The, the very first match of the day of the, the Premier League season, of course, had Blackburn Rovers away at Crystal Palace. And in the Crystal Palace ranks that day was one Jeff Thomas, who it was hotly rumoured, hotly rumoured, was about to sign for Blackburn Rovers. And he was, I think he was interviewed sheepishly after the game and was kind of like not wanting to say anything and be the, oh yeah, well, Palace is my club, this, that and the other. And for some reason, that move never materialised. It never came off. So he became another one of the uh, sort of like great missing Blackburn Rovers midfielders like Ray Wilkins, Roy Keane uh, and Jeff Thomas. Roy Keane. Oh. Yeah. So th- there's a side. So the, the, the squad's coming together. I think we're short, of, uh, we're short of a goalkeeper or two, but maybe in the next episode we'll try and build on that team and we'll try and get a, a 22-man squad then ready to take on the rest of the, uh, the Premier League. But thank you for yeah, those contributions. John, uh, John Burridge. I love John Burridge in goal. He played <laughs> for everyone else. Do you remember Neil Ramsbottom? No. He, he did play for Rovers, but he was the poor man's John Burridge. So I think when clubs couldn't afford John Burridge, they got Neil Ramsbottom in on loan. <laughs> but he did actually play for Rovers, so he's not eligible. But there we go. Ah. Four thousand holes. Still a fanzine. Now with a podcast. Sponsored by the Terrace. Enter BRFCS at checkout for a ten percent discount. Okay, for our next conversational gambit, we're going to consider a Rovers eleven with a theme. Catherine, this is your suggestion. What's the theme? Can you say it in front of your little girl who sat next to you on the sofa? <laughs> I can, I can, I can. So this is this is something I've been passionate about for a number of years. It's the concept of a gobsh. <laughs> can I come back in two minutes? <laughs> oh, oh, dear. Sorry, guys. No worries, no worries. Sorry, guys. Right, this is the gobshite 11, so obviously the rest of you can nominate, but you've got to pretend that Catherine's introduced it, and we'll have to hope that who you nominate doesn't clash and you can't react to hers too much. So, Stuart, do you want to start us off? Yeah, well, I'm I'm going to start us off with the manager, and there's only only one candidate for the gobshite manager, and that's good old Steve Keane. If you look up gobshite in the football dictionary, it just says, see Steve Keane. Try saying that after a few pints. Pretty much every football cliche just came out of the guy's face. He pulled apart a team that was, you know, easily capable of surviving in that division. He managed to alienate everybody and the dog. He was just one of those. He, he, I need to be careful what I say, obviously. Well, it'll save me a lot of editing if you can be, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'll tell yeah. But that that's that's going to be my uh, nomination. He's he's Steve Keane's manager of the Gobshite 11. I mean even even the even the the post-match interviews where it was always there was always some excuse always it was never our fault we we tried our best. Oh. It, it was from day 1 absolutely not capable of it might have been a fantastic coach for all we know we never saw any of it 
but in terms of being able to pick a, a first 11, being able to motivate a first 11, being able to operate in the transfer windows, being able to operate and, and come across uh, as um, an actual human being on the television, he failed in every single department. It's like that picture of the tortoise that's on top of the post. Uh, nobody knows how it got there. Nobody knows what it's doing. And nobody knows how it's going to get back down again. <laughs> okay, we have a manager for our gobshite 11. I, I don't think there's any surprise. It's Mr. Steve Keane. Right, we'll go back in time now. So we'll introduce the topic. So, Catherine, kick off from where you left off. So the this is something I've been passionate about for a number of years, mainly looking at other teams. So, like Jens Lehmann, um, as an example, other really, you know, Roy Keane, these real kind of, you can see them spitting on the pitch in terms of how they're, they're, they're interacting. And there lies the concept for gobshite FC, or in Rovers' case, the gobshite starting eleven. So um, so this is those players that are maybe slightly unhinged, have a slightly um, short fuse, let's say, have the ability to see red quite easily. Um, so that's that's the concept. Do your worst. That sounds like a fascinating concept. Who's your nomination, though, to kick us off? Craig Bellamy. <sighs> Never looked happy. Never even looked happy when he scored goals. Always seemed to be grunting and sizzling and being quite spiky with his teammates. Amazing player, loved watching him, was over the moon when we signed him and it was always inevitable he was never going to stay too long. But he just he just oozed gobshite. I think that's a terrific nomination. I think well, your observation about his, his body language when he scored is absolutely spot on. It's kind of like, look what I've had to do to dig you schmucks out of the hole that you've got yourselves into. Look, yeah, you can leave it all with me. And that front two of him and Shefki Kuki, if, was there ever a more unlikely, a more less evenly matched ability pairing than, than those two? Absolutely fantastic the season that he was with us. Loved him to bits, but have no idea where he is now. But yeah, presumably he's just slipped into footballing oblivion and we'll never hear from him again. But the less said, the better, I think, in that case. Excellent nomination then. So we have an outside yep. right, I think, in the old parlance or a, a striker, fleet-footed striker in the more modern parlance. Ryan, who would you put in your Rovers gobshite 11? Yeah, so going off Catherine's description, uh, I'm going to go on the word unhinged, um, and then similar to uh, to Stuart's description of um, you know if you had to look in the dictionary. So I've gone for Bradley Orr for for mine. <laughs> so a um, couple of things here. So on the face of it, you know Bradley Orr was actually a decent signing on paper. Um, you know we were struggling to replace the right back. Uh, we'd lost Salgado and Lars Jakobsen. He was a good Championship level performer who should be able to make the step up and maybe help us stay up. But uh, when you think all the bad things about Steve Keane, if he is the sorcerer, then Bradley Orr is the sorcerer's apprentice. I mean, what a way to embody yourself to the fan base than siding with that idiot with everything that he said what a way to insult all of the fans and instantly get yourself offside with all of the fans so when you're talking unhinged yes he might not be two-footing someone on the pitch but he absolutely two-footed us all off the pitch just a, a disgraceful disgraceful person siding with Keane and and the hierarchy at that point and yeah fully 
fully deserved to be led out of the club whenever he did. I can't even remember when it was. I think he actually got relegated with us and then left, didn't he? So um, not a man that I hold in high regard, I'm afraid. I, I suspect you're you're not alone in in that observation. Here's my here's my Bradley Orr anecdote, everyone. You know, Peter Ustinov, step aside. I remember once wandering through Liverpool. I was going uh, in the Liverpool One shopping centre. You know, you do that thing where you're walking towards somebody. Like, I know them. I know them. Can't can't quite place them. And as he got nearer and nearer and nearer, I thought, my God, it's Bradley Orr. We'd not long signed him at that point. Yeah, he was still. One of, one of the bright hopes of, of potentially saving the city. And as he, as he got close, I just did that thing where, you know, you're like, you, you raise an eyebrow and you, you nod your head. This will come across really well on the podcast. But, you know, raise an eyebrow, nod, and he sort of looks and realises that you, he knows that I know who he is and so on. And he kind of, like, nodded back and we walked past. And then, of course, a few short weeks later, so thinking, God, I wish I'd tripped him up or something or broken his bloody ankle that uh-huh. he'd been applied for us. But uh, that was me meeting Bradley or in Liverpool, everybody. Yes, he can... Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to define how not to read a room, you know, it's that right there, isn't oh, it? What Bradley or chose to do. I mean, I don't know what went through his head at that point. He must have seen the local media. He must have seen what was going on and why he showed this public show of affection to Steve Keane. I'll never know. Well, to me, it's, it's one of those examples of do footballers live in a bubble? Discuss. And when when they behave and say things like that, then clearly, well, yeah, they do. And I suppose, yeah, if he lives in Merseyside, he doesn't read any local media, doesn't live, yeah, read any, uh, sorry, he listen to any local radio stations or anything like that. His only experience of Rovers fans is, is the 90 minutes. But even then, <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot going on in the ground at that time that indicated perhaps all wasn't well at Ewood Park. But uh, there we go. Our competitive 11 has an outside right and a right full back. So it's going well so far, as well as a manager, of course. Louis, who would you put in the Rovers' gobshite 11? Uh, in, in my Rovers' gobshite 11, I, I'm going to go for a slightly different angle than uh, Stu and what Catherine said. Uh, I'm going to go for a player I actually quite like, and not somebody, you know, or like Ryan said, not somebody I absolutely hate, uh, like those three people. It's Daniel Ayala. I'd, I'd follow follow that man to hell and back, and I'd, I'd, I'd do anything he asked me to, but bloody hell, I'd hate to play with him or be his referee because you know as a, as a fellow you know, tall centre half you know I, I know you can use your body to intimidate people and especially you know trying to influence decisions as a leader you know you go over sort of hunch over the referee put your body over him again coming very well on coming across very well this on the podcast and it's the little finger under the chin it's and it's the the stern eye that just makes me go Bloody hell, you you are such a fantastically experienced brilliant centre half not uh, not recently uh, but oh my gosh! <laughs> no, of course no. I, I I love the man. Uh, but yeah, but bloody hell, I'd 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 it, it it do do me head in that. It do me head in playing with him. But definitely playing against him. But playing with him and and uh, and refereeing him. That the 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 gobshiteness of of every single decision, every single thing, it's, getting on somebody's back about it. It's an interesting take that you've nominated someone who can gobshite without using words. So it's non-verbal gobshitery, which I think is, is a, a pretty interesting category, and one for which I applaud you. Okay, we'll round this off with a contribution from Michael. Then, Michael, who would hit your Rovers gobshite eleven? Yeah, I, I don't want to pick anyone's choices apart, but but a lot of them they, they fit the description, which is potentially another choice that we could do for an eleven, which is a shit house eleven, which we've maybe touched on before in other podcasts. But just putting that one aside. I would go for someone who's, by the by, the definition of things like online slang and urban dictionary, is a fool, a loudmouth, and a worthless idiot. 
I'm going to go for a player who defined his gobshiteness more when he left Rovers and when he started appearing on Radio 5 Live, and that's Robbie Savage. <laughs> I mean, what a shill. What an absolute prick. The nonsense he comes out with. You know, when he, when players say, well, sorry, when fans call into his um, 606 and say, oh, why didn't you do this or that on the pitch? And he goes, did you ever play? Did you ever play? And I just think, nah, you're a gobshite. That that's well. He he will be first entry on my team. I have to say. So if if I was awarding bonus points, which I'm not, you get the bonus points for that. Although Bellamy is is pretty close behind him. I have to say, maybe it's something about their uh, that their time together in the Welsh team. Maybe they rubbed each other up the wrong way. I don't know. But Ron, I think it's Ron, coming from Wrexham as well. <laughs> there was the one. There was, I I nearly went for Savage. Um, I I thought that was the open goal. Um, yeah, I tapped it in, Stu. And I, <laughs> and the, the reason I didn't was when he was playing for us, he was at least our gobshite. Yeah, yeah. And, you I know, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't question his, his uh, you know, like some of the names that have been said, you couldn't question his effort, you couldn't question his commitment and all that kind of stuff. You're trying to be balanced and even-handed, though, now, Stuart, and this is... A no, once once players. once he left, uh, you you hit the hit the nail on the head. He was a complete and utter gobshite. Oh, and he, before and before he joined us, like when he yeah, turned up to Derby, a club that was like on its knees and going bust, and he turns up in in what did he turn up in like a, a gold Mercedes or something like that, a bright silver Mercedes and parked in it car park amongst all the what I can assume must have been like Morris Miners and and Robin Reliance and stuff the other players were in, and just again read the room, Robbie. I think Michael's hit the nail on the head for me, though, which is his comeback about, you know, he's hosting a radio phone-in show, which is the fans phoning. They want fans to ring up with opinions. And when they offer an opinion, his retort is, did you ever play the game? I mean, yeah. you know, if I was the producer of that show, Robbie, no, mate, that's not what this show is about. It kind of implies that you can never go to the cinema. I say, what did, what did you, th- what do you think of that film, then? Well, I thought it was crap. Yeah, but have, have you ever acted? <laughs> have you ever been to Hollywood and acted? Yeah. It's just a nonsense. You're allowed an opinion. <laughs> You're allowed an opinion, Robbie. Have you ever been a fan, Robbie? Have you ever been a fan? <laughs> have you I ever stood on the terraces at Rotherham and watched us get beat for now? <laughs> Peak savage shithousery gobshitery was against Man United when we beat them 4-3 at home and that he got... Game. Rio Ferdinand sent off and then he went off on a stretcher. Nothing wrong with him. <laughs> and had the, the 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 protective cast around his ankle and he was like, oh, I'll have to go for an x-ray. He was fine. It's just one of them. Right, we, I think our, uh, our gobshite 11 is off to a fantastic start. Uh, maybe we'll continue that then again to build up a squad uh, and we'll see how that unfolds. Uh, my nomination is El Hajjouf. Uh, I couldn't believe, couldn't believe that we signed him. And he's the guy, of course, that won, and I use the word won quite rightly, the penalty against Friedel when he was playing for Bolton. And for that and that alone, I could never truly forgive him. The way that Allardyce used him was classic Allardyce. It really was pure Allardyce. Couldn't stand the man, still can't stand the man. And I think, uh, you know, if you ask a Liverpool supporter what they think of El Hadjjouf, you will get the stream of vitriol that goes way beyond anything we've offered. But the Gobshite 11 is up and running, and I thank you, Catherine, for that (laughs) that suggestion, and we shall run with it in subsequent episodes. Ian, as as, um, 
as the tech guy, I think we should point out that if anybody that's anybody's listening to this and you've got a player that you want to add to the Gobshite Eleven squad, there'll be a thread on the forum when this goes live, and you can add your own thoughts and you can add your own players to the Gobshite Eleven on brfcs.com and go and have a look on the forum there. And reply to us on Twitter, of course. We're across all mm. the socials. Or do a TikTok dance. Don't send it to us on TikTok, though, because we never monitor that feed, even though we're on there. I think that's right, but there we go. Gobshite 11. Thanks, everybody. One of the manifesto items in the Rovers Trust document last year was uh, about potentially trying to put together and compile and curate a Rovers Museum. And I think that, that that is something that I understand the club may be taking forward. And so what I thought I'd ask our panellists to do is put something in the museum from their own personal Rovers collection. So it can be valuable, it can be worthless, but it's got to have some significance for you as a Rover supporter. And it's got to justify its place in the Rovers Museum. So I'm going to kick this conversation off by going to Ryan and saying, Ryan, from your extensive personal collection of train tickets from Lincoln to Blackburn, which one are you going to put in the Blackburn Museum? As you know, I don't get the train because I have to deal with petrol stations, Ian. You know that. <laughs> so I do not How have train tickets. How could I forget? Yes. <laughs> uh, two, so I have so many programmes. I'm not going for programmes. So I've got a couple of shirts that fit in different categories so um the one that's in the overpriced and why the hell did i pay that much for it category um was a shirt that jordan rhodes wore away at brighton in the 2013-14 season one of these poppy british legion shirts he didn't even come on in that game so it's not even match worn it doesn't even smell of him it just happened to be worn by him at the amex stadium and i paid too many hundred pounds for that shirt, which is framed at home, and, and I'm very proud of it. So it could be that, because we obviously all love Jordan Rhodes. So uh, that is a, a good donation to the museum. Or it could be, um, and this is very random, you'll have to stick with me. Um, do you remember when Sky Sports used to do the Man of the Match competitions and you could win a replica shirt? In the 97, 98 season, I was only a wee lad at that point. My mum rang up and asked me who I thought Man of the Match was during the Blackburn Aston Villa game on Boxing Day in 97, 98. You and said I said Savo Keith Gillespie. Did you or no, I said <laughs> Keith Gillespie. <laughs> I said Keith Gillespie, probably the only person in the UK that nominated Keith Gillespie. Lo and behold, just before the Man of the Match is announced, I get the call wow. to say that I've won Keith Gillespie's match worn shirt that day which is a lot muddier and a lot more sweaty than the jordan Rhodes one that i've got but actually i was absolutely buzzing as a 10 year old to hear my name on sky sports it was absolutely fantastic and so, you still have yeah, said artifact today of course i still have said artifact it's with all my other shirts number 31 gillespie so uh, yeah i was absolutely buzzing with that as a 10 year old and the jordan great. Rhodes one is that one of those jade green ones yes it looks horrendous so i think i bid uh, well, he, here's the story of how how I first became aware of Lynn's Lewis, because uh, I, I I bought one of those shirts, and the one that I bid for was Craig Conway's, and I, and I noticed that there was there was somebody who was constantly upping the ante on this shirt, and I thought I'm not having that. <laughs> 
So I, I won the I won the shirt, and then I think it, we exchanged some notes on Twitter, sort of saying, "Yeah, was it you that was bidding? Yeah, it was me," and so on, so on, so on. But the code to the stories, I had it framed, and when when this room was redecorated, it was pointed out that I shouldn't have any shirts on the wall. As you can see, I've ignored that. Um, but the the green one really, really didn't go with the colour scheme, and so I gave it to Lynn's last year. As, as, as a thank you for all the charitable Fantastic. efforts that, that she did, uh, because I think she had a Craig, uh, Craig Conway signed shirt, which she gave away. So I thought that's the least I could do, because it was just sat in a cupboard, giving nobody any pleasure or joy, as Marie Kondo would say. So, uh, so there we go. Stuart, what artefacts would you put in the Rovers Museum? So I've, I've, I've got a few. We've, um, we've been having a bit of a tidy up at our house, and... Uh, when he was when he was younger, um, my dad used to collect Rovers programs. Um, he used to collect all all kinds of programs, to be honest. Um, but one of the ones he's got is a program from the nineteen sixty six FA Cup final, the one where Dave Whelan broke his leg. Nineteen sixty. It's nineteen sixty. Yeah. We, we don't want we don't want people tweeting us. Nineteen sixty. <laughs> no, that's yes. what I said. Just <laughs> fix it in the edit, Ian. Um, it's from the from the nineteen sixty FA FA Cup final where Dave Whelan broke his leg. Little known fact that Dave Whelan broke his leg in that game. Um, it's not it's not something he he likes to mention. Rarely mentioned. Um, so I'm going to put that in. I'm going to put that in as a as a serious one. It's it's quite a nice little program. We have a. It's called an antiques shop near us, but it's actually a tat shop. Um, and I looked, at, I looked at how much these kind of these programs were going for, and they had the exact one that I've got at home. And I thought um, I'm going to make my fortune here. Um, and in the in the tat shop, it was eight pounds, uh, and on eBay, it was a pound plus postage and packing. I'm going to add an entry in the way that most British museums uh, seem to have been stocked, in that I'm going to go abroad and I'm going to steal something um, <laughs> that we can use. So I've, I'm, go- I'm going to go to Athletic Bilbao's museum. I was going to say, George um, asked Donnie or something. <laughs> We're going to steal something in Greece and put it in. <laughs> George Donnie's? George Donnie's boots, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna to go to. Um, I'm gonna go abroad and steal something like like George Donis's boots, or uh, or maybe one of Athletic Bilbao's old shirts. And then finally, my last item, and this is my this is my serious entry. When when I was uh, when I was at college, I used to go to. I used to go and watch Rovers a lot, home away, and everybody's got one of these. Everybody's got a scarf that they used to wear, and nobody was allowed to wash it this scarf had muck on it from all the grounds i've been to across maybe four or five seasons it had at one point a little bit of glass in it from when we went to port vale and somebody put the window through on the coach and then somebody and nobody will own up as to who it was it certainly wasn't me because i don't i've never done my own washing but somebody washed it and it came, it came out of the wash looking spark. I'm tearing up. Came out of the wash <laughs> looking sparkling, brand new, and uh, I never wore it again. I thought you were going to so say about twelve inches. 
about 12 inches long and about two inches deep looking like a ruler or something. That, that, that's, that's tragic. That's, that's, that's really sad. He brought the mood down. We need to lift the mood and urgently. Michael, what would you put in the Rovers Museum? Well, we've, uh, we were going to move house last year, so I did a bit of a clear out. So I gave my big box of programmes and memorabilia <laughs> to, um, to that guy, John Holden, who collects all that stuff because I thought, you know, he could make better use of it than I would. So I'm, I'm completely bereft of all Rovers memorabilia. But what I do what I do think the museum should have, if this is within the rules that you're allowing, in, in the absence of any of my personal collection, is I think they should have a section devoted to food at Rovers. And I don't mean the sort of um, prawn sandwiches and, um, uh, and, and posh food that I am involved in uh, the servicing the guests with now, but things like chicken and bean pies from Leavers. That was a great innovation, the, the shearer pie. pie, or the meat pies from Levers, or boiling hot bovril that scalds your hand, or if any of you can remember in the 70s and 80s, Stadia Catering, oh. with stale jumbo bags of crisps. And that oh. other thing that only you only seem to be able to get them at football grounds was massive wagon wheels that, again, were stale. So these days, wagon wheels are the size of shirt buttons, aren't they? They're, like everything else, the price stays the same and the, the, the content. I know my hands yeah, are getting get smaller, I've got bigger smaller, from being yeah. a child, but even yeah. so, they're, they're teeny, teeny, tiny now. I mean, you'll you'll yeah. set me off now complaining about the size of shreddy wheat if, if we're not careful, but that's not necessarily... I know, but anyway, pies. Okay, pies, bovril, in the museum. If you're listening yeah. over us, in the museum. Louis, what would you put from your personal collection into the museum? Well, from my personal collection, it's actually been, well, not stolen, but given from another personal collection, uh, which which he's just complained about having none of. And the grandest possession of all is now mine, which is great. Uh, and it's the 92 to 94 away shirt, which is I, I, which goes into the museum just purely because it's the most gorgeous shirt in recorded history. I, it is, I, I mean, I admittedly can't see it. It must be in the wash. Uh, but it's I, I do, every time, every time I look at it, every time I put it on, I'm just this, this is this is what all Rovers away shirts should look like, and that's just that's just an indisputable fact. So you're a, you're more of a stripe stripes man than a halves man for, for the away shirt. <laughs> no, for the for the away shirts, for the away shirts, the home shirts yeah. should be halves, but the away yeah, shirt yeah, should yeah. be stripes. So AC Milan as opposed to uh, as opposed to the halves. When I wore that shirt to play five-a-side in London in the early 90s, it was people go, oh, I, I think now AC Milan was sponsored by McEwen's Lager. Yeah, we had, uh, when we played together in the London Rovers, we had the, um, was it the Elgran Perspex kit, wasn't it? That was our, yeah, it was, our, yeah. kit, our yeah. kit of choice back in the day. Oh, what a glorious colour that was. Last but by no means least then, Catherine, from your extensive personal collection, what are you donating to go into the Rovers Museum? So I've got three things. The first one was given to me by my mother-in-law, but I do have a copy of this at my mum and dad's somewhere. So this is the Lancashire Evening Telegraph, and it's from May, May the 15th, 1995. You can see there's one called Jack on the front, Kenny on the back, and then a really good, really good look through some local pubs and fans celebrating. So that's one thing that's going in there. That is absolutely weathered, but is 25p. Look at that. That needs wrapping wow. in, in sort of like very protective plastic. <laughs> I know. Morning title special. Yes. And then there was an evening special that indeed. day as well. So you've got the evening telegraph. Mm -hmm. I've then got 
an NFT that I'd like to put in there, bringing the podcast kicking and screaming into the 21st century. You, you, you're set, which... set Stuart off now in the mention of NFTs. Just watch it. Watch the blood drain so, his face. Go on, So it's, it's, a, it's a 15 second piece from YouTube, which is me and a group of others singing Just a Small Town in Europe at Feyenoord away 2006 um and then my final thing thing was well you were playing in bulgaria at the time so i don't know what you were doing there <laughs> my final thing sorry my daughter has just walked in to try and steal my thunder i thought she was the third artifact that you were going to put in the museum i was a bit worried now. she could be she could be the fourth art- artifact along with the season ticket that only got used three times last year the final item the final item to add to the collection is my lucky hat so 95-96 season, went down to Ewood one very, very, very cold November evening and wasn't, it was a midweek game and I wasn't dressed for it at all. So I had to do a little um, side swipe into Rover the Moon, which was the old club shop. And I purchased the worst hat you've ever seen in your life. It was black and red. So you'd probably liked it, Louis. Um, but it, it didn't even have the club badge on the front. It was just like said BRFC in some kind of weird kind of comic sans type font. But that evening we went on to beat Nottingham Forest 7-0 at yeah. home. And it therefore became the lucky hat. Oh. Um it's its fortunes did unfortunately fade. However, you've got the lucky hat, you've got the NFT from Feyenoord, and you've got Lancashire Evening Telegraph. I think the museum's off to a cracking start, I have to say. From my perspective, I think if Mrs H had a way, then every single artifact we've got in the house will be will be donated to the museum, including the three plastic tubs full of programmes and posters and that Lancashire Evening Telegraph supplement, which I also have, along with, I think the, I think I've, those days I read The Independence, I think I've got the... Uh, the full copy of the Independent from that day and the day that after we won the League Cup as well, just for. But I would put in my ticket stub from the full Members Cup final, because back in those days, fact fans, we never thought that Rovers w- would ever win anything in our lifetimes. We were struggling in the playoffs every year to try and get into the what was then Division One, and a trip to Wembley was just beyond our wildest dreams. So getting to Wembley in the full Members Cup final was just uh, all, all my dreams come to, frankly, and winning it was just absolutely superb. And I never, ever anticipated that life would get better than that. Uh, and so little did we know what was around the corner just a, a few short years later. Uh, Interesting so- you mentioned that, Ian. Recently, the, a guy I used to do a fanzine with in the 1980s, Simon Jones from Blackpool, has just done a clear out of his loft and he found two rosettes from that day. Wow. And the programme. And he sent them to me. And they oh, arrived in the post at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Really, really crudely put together rosettes yeah. in red, white, and blue. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some well. sweatshop in North London. Yeah, yeah. The day Blackburn the at Wembley. You know. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a wild day. It was really wild. Because you know, Wembley, I don't know, what, what was the total gate? Was it about 40,000 or something like that? Yeah. And about 37,500 had come from Blackburn. <laughs> Char- yeah. Charlton, even though they were literally only the other side of the river, they just couldn't be bothered to go. But it was it was great, and I thought at the time this is as good as it's going to get. So make them they were a Division One team at the time. They were, they? yeah. We beat Chelsea and Oxford and Ipswich on on route. It was happy days, happy days. Four thousand holes, no longer just a fanzine, now a podcast too. But you know that. 
You're listening to it. Right, we're going to uh, we're going to end this session now with a little quiz, and it's name that rover. What I've done is I've photocopied photocopied. I have screenshotted five Wikipedia entries for rovers players through different eras, and I am going to read out clues, and I'm going to ask our panelists to shout up if they think they know who the rover is. So just shout your name out, and I will try and make sense of whoever shouts out first. And see, This is just for glory, by the way. There's no prize, although I believe we've still got about 114 terrace mugs, probably in Josh's garage somewhere, so who knows? <laughs> maybe, maybe we could send a prize, but here we go. So rover number one. I was born on the 1st of September, 1971. I was born in Sepanka... In Sakarya province in Turkey. I made Clubs. my professional debut shortly after my 17th birthday. Stuart? Two guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you yeah, think you say two guy. that I would make it that simple? <laughs> so no. So you're both dead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so now it's down to Louis, Catherine and Ryan. <laughs> Clue number three. I made 90 appearances for Galatasaray, scoring 54 Ryan. goals. Ryan. Hakan Sukor. Hakan Sukor is the correct answer. You've got it on clue number three, which meant that I didn't need clue number four, which is, having been released on the 9th of December 2002, I signed for Blackburn Rovers for their manager, Graham Souness, whom I used to play under at Galatasaray. And clue number five was, I scored twice in nine appearances. Both goals came in the 4-0 defeat of whom? Anybody? At Loftus Road? Fulham. Fulham is correct. We played in that mustard yellow kit, and I think John Stead scored mm. that evening as well. Mm. Well done, Ryan. You and it's, it's clue six, and I'm now a taxi driver in New York. <laughs> <laughs> there is no clue six. I would okay. have given you the answer by the way. to that point. Is he? Are you ready for rover number two? Same rules apply then. Shout out if you think you know the answer. I was born on the 2nd of February, 1978, in Hamilton. I, I think five, I know this. Okay. I am five feet ten inches tall. Yeah. Michael, I'm going to go for this. It's Ryan Nelson. No. You're frozen. Because there's more than one Hamilton, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, these, these are don't just thrown together, you know. Clear number three. I made 45 appearances for the Scottish national team starting from 1998. Clue number four. I made 36 appearances for Blackburn Rovers between 2003 and 2005. Do we need clue number five? It looks like we do. Is the house going to win this one? I made my going to Black- clue number 10 at this rate, Ian. I made my Blackburn Rovers debut in the Premier League in a match against Liverpool on the 19th of September at Ewood Park, and I scored my first goal against the same team, also at Ewood Park, in a League Cup match on the 29th of October 2003. I'm going to try a guess. I don't think it's right. Is it Jay McEverly? It is not Jay McEverly. No. So that's two of you out. I'm going to carry on then. I was made captain of Blackburn Rovers in July 2004. After 16 months at the club, including a lengthy period out through injury, I submitted a written transfer request. 
So, I'm going to have a guest. Go on. Go on. Finish the clue. <laughs> no, this doesn't kind of give it away. No, that's not how it works, Jim. Uh, I'm going to... Is it Barry Ferguson? It is Barry Ferguson, so Barry. you get the glory. <laughs> I was going to go on to say that he said that the draw of playing in the Championship and even a Lancashire derby could not compare with the old firm match. And I think we all said, in that case, good rinse, Baza, bugger off. Well done, Stuart. You win that round. Okay, rover number three. There's five of these. This is the third one. I was born on the 22nd of February, 1979, in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> Not falling for that one again. I know your ways, Ian. <laughs> Excuse me. Clue number two. I started my career with Sydney Olympic in the National Soccer League in August 1996. No guesses? I joined Feyenoord in August Ryan. 2000. <laughs> Go on, Ryan. Brett Emerton. Brett Emerton is the one. <laughs> nice, nicely <laughs> intervened. The clue was I signed for Feyenoord in August 2000 for a fee of £415,000 and I won a UEFA Cup winner's medal in May 2002 with the same club. And the final clue was, I signed for Blackburn Rovers in July 2003 on a four-year deal, saying, I've always dreamed of playing in the Premiership, so to finally achieve it is great. Clearly a very eloquent young man. Much underrated player, Brett. His best game for Rovers, of course, will forever be his debut. And from then then on, he could never reach the same height. What, What an amazing debut that was. Absolutely glorious. Right, here we go again. Player number four. I was born on the 12th of January, 1970, in Whiston, in Lancashire. Clue number two. I began my career with Crew Alexander, sorry, Crew Alexandra even, in 1988, making my debut in a match at Wrexham in October, 1988. I made 150 first-team appearances for Crew, scoring 57 goals before being sold to Middlesbrough for £500,000 in November 1992. Michael. Go on, Michael. I'm having this one. It's Craig Hignett. It is Craig Hignett. You are a winner. Well done, sir. At last. (laughs) Clue number four was I was part of the team that lost the FA Cup final and League Cup final in the same season. and must have been a really, really galling season to be a Middlesbrough fan. And I left Barnsley in 2000 after 66 appearances and 35 goals for the club to sign for Blackburn Rovers for a fee of £2.2 million. Worth it just for the goal against Burnley in April 2001, in my humble opinion. Right, last one. Last, but by no means least. I was born on the 2nd of May 1985 in Irvine in Scotland. I am five feet seven inches tall. I started my career with Air United before moving to Dundee United in 2006. Go on, Louis. Paul Caddis. No, good guess, but sadly not. I'm afraid you're frozen. I shall have to mute you on Zoom. Ian, what's the date of birth again? The date of birth is the 2nd of May, 1985, which makes him late 30s. In January 2014, I signed for Championship Blackburn Rovers on a two and a half year deal. Stuart. Stuart. Was it David Goodwillie? It is not David Goodwillie. Clue oh, number funny. five. I have played for Scotland on seven occasions. 
If Lindsay's listening to this, she's spitting oh, feathers, oh. punching the, oh, the, the hell. Can I, 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 I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Craig Conway. <laughs> <laughs> At least I won one of the rounds. Well done, everybody. That's a, that's a terrific effort. So thank you for your contributions. Uh, I'd like to sort of say thank you also to our sponsors, The Terrace Life, for their, uh, their support of the podcast, and to Sports Social Network for bringing us on board. And to my panellists, Catherine McNamara. Good evening and thank you, Catherine. Hope you enjoyed your debut. Loved it. I want to come back. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Michael Taylor, thank you once again for your contributions. Absolute pleasure, Ian. Luigi, thank you for your contributions. Always lovely. And Stuart G, I suppose I should say. Mr Grimshaw, well done. And thank you for your contributions this evening. Yeah, pleasure to meet everybody again. Well done. And lastly, Ryan, thanks once again. You've got a couple of the players right there, but uh, you're still not, not quite the full house, so you'll have to come back and have another go next time. I will do. Thank you, Ian, as ever. Thank you. Cheerio, everybody. That was great. Four thousand holes. Well, we, we did ponder this long and hard, and BRFCS was always one of those brands that, uh, if you were of a certain age, you remembered it, and if you were younger, you were perhaps a bit confused. And some of us in BRFCS were confused as to what BRFCS actually stood for. So we thought that four thousand holes was a really good name, not only for the fanzine, of course, the beloved fanzine, dare I say, but for the podcast. And so I've got Scott with me, who is the editor of Four Thousand Holes. Scott, what, what's your experience of media recognition of 4,000 Holes as a brand? 4,000 Holes is a pretty strong brand, certainly within the Rovers community, um, since it's been going over 30 years, and even wider than that, I get quite a few media inquiries, um, you know, when news organisations or other fan groups want to speak to, you know, fans of another group, they, they look for you know podcasts or fanzines things like that and so i get a lot of communication that way and four thousand dollars is a fanzine often these days people want podcast material so i find myself you know calling up different organizations within the rovers community or can you help with this anything um basically four thousand dollars gets quite a bit of recognition i think the quirky name help it does i was i was going to ask you how many times have you been asked why 4,000 holes, where does that come from? And what's the average age of people who ask that? Because I suspect the older Rover supporters will know where that comes from. But let's, just for the younger listener, shall we say, where does 4,000 holes come from? Well, it's from a Beatles song, um, A Day in the Life, which I think is the final track on Sgt. Peppers. And it's based on, well, John Lennon wrote the line into the song because he'd seen a news article about um, than filling potholes in Blackburn um, so it's strange that Blackburn gets such recognition in, in such a, a worldwide fans catalogue absolutely you, you can't have better than sort of being name checked in a song by you know the, the biggest band ever ever in globally uh, 
but four thousand holes, I just, I just think it, it, it is a great name. Uh, the, the, the pod, yeah, the BRFCS podcast and the fanzine have always worked in hand in hand together, and we've seen items that have been published in the fanzine then get discussed on the podcast. Uh, and equally, so stuff that we talked about on the podcast inspire articles for the fanzine. So it, it made sense, we felt, to, to bring the two closer together. So having four thousand holes as the fanzine and the podcast. I think it, it, it just cements that relationship. There's great synergy, and ideas can can obviously flow both ways. So, what we're hoping for is that we, we we will see things that get talked about in the podcast then appearing in the fanzine, and maybe when people write ideas for the fanzine, we'll contact them and say, "Would you mind coming on the podcast and talking about this?" Because this is this has set us talking. So, Scott, you're always casting the net for new contributors. How many more would you like to have on board for the fanzine? as many as possible always um, I'd, I'd love to be overloaded with people wanting to write stuff um, but it doesn't always turn out that way there are sometimes reluctance to get involved um, or not not really know about it um, or just wanting to do online stuff rather than in a magazine um, but yeah I'd say get involved whether it's fan, fanzines or or podcast contribution ideas are always welcome and, and these are the great outlets to get your your views out there and, and kind of le- learn a new skill even absolutely we, we have a wide range of people who contribute both the podcast and the fanzine so we have uh, the likes of matt grimshaw who's been, been a regular on the podcast he writes articles for, for the website as well probably our youngest regular contributor but if there is someone of school age out there and wants to impress their English teacher, then by all means, drop Scott a line. Uh, if, you fan- if you're a budding radio presenter and you fancy putting a package together for one of the po- podcast episodes, again, pitch us an idea and, and we'd love to hear from you. So, to contact us on Twitter, you'll go to at RoversFanzy on Twitter or at BRFCS.com. Uh, if you want to contact us via email, if you drop, drop me a line at media at BRFCS.com, Again, we can forward that on to Scott uh, accordingly, but it'd be great to hear from you. Um, we'd l- love to have more people dropping ideas. So thanks for thanks for listening to us. This is the 4,000 Holtz podcast now. Hope you enjoyed it. Through the uh, the peace gardens in Sheffield, and I thought oh, I'll cut through past the uh, past the Copthorne Hotel, uh, past the Mercure Hotel, and then I saw. <laughs> I think that's John Dal Thompson <laughs> sat, in, <laughs> sat in the peace gardens kind of thing, <laughs> marching straight over oh, there. Oh, brilliant! So he was sat there with uh, him and Remy, you know, his, his Dutch assistant, was sat um, sat on this bench, and so uh, I sort of said, uh, I've got to, I've got to say hello to you. So I'm a Blackburn Rovers fan who lives in Sheffield. I said, this is. This is really important today. You do realise that. Go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the rest of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a little chat. He didn't. He didn't just get rid of me, which I thought was nice. This is the Four Thousand Holes podcast. Brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.